but it's putting ourselves in alignment with that. And so much of that has to do with kind of undoing a lot of our subconscious conditions. Welcome to the Wellness Witch Podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Gladish, and I'm excited to take you on a journey to reclaiming and reconnecting to your magic, the magic of your health, your wealth, and your soul's purpose. As a woman's wellness coach and business mentor, I've been coaching women for over 15 years, helping them rediscover their innate abilities to heal, to transform, and to manifest their deepest desires. I'm excited to bring you a weekly dose of inspiration and information, diving into the multifaceted approach of what it means to live to our fullest potential. Let's do this. This is a Soulfire production. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you are having an amazing day. Today, I am interviewing Jai Dev Singh, and he is a world-renowned Kundalini yoga teacher, an Ayurvedic specialist, and founder of Life Force Academy, which is a yoga, meditation, and wellness company that helps people connect to their inner confidence and genuine purpose. At Life Force Academy, Jai Dev provides clients with practical and simple tools to care for their mind, body, and energy system through dynamic virtual courses, global webcast events, immersive retreat experiences, and more. Jai Dev's down-to-earth sensibility and humor combined with the creative delivery of yogic teachings has influenced thousands of practitioners and teachers around the globe. Perhaps you are already familiar with him. And I had recently done a poll with my audience over on Instagram, and many of you actually weren't familiar with him, which is really great because this is going to be a beautiful opportunity for you to really get to know him. And we have such a beautiful conversation. And I think it's a great conversation needed at this time of year as we are moving into that September energy. I think we all have that that energy that's now weighing on us with back to work and back to school. And the summer is coming to an end and we start moving into more of the fall season and, you know, all the busyness that surrounds that. And for me personally, oh my God, letting go of summer and sunshine and more colder weather is what is, you know, on the horizon. Oh my God, that does not excite me. (laughs) And so I think as we move into this energy and really reconnecting back to ourselves and really working through anxiety and uncertainty, especially in this post-pandemic world, you know, what strategies can we do to really work through these uncomfortable feelings that are showing up? Being that Jai Dev is a world-renowned kundalini yoga teacher, we obviously dive into all things kundalini and you know why he was initially drawn to kundalini yoga and how it can really help enhance somebody's well-being and their overall health. We talk about what kundalini energy actually is, and we also dive into Ayurveda and how we can really use this amazing holistic healing system to learn more about ourselves, both spiritually, emotionally, physically, and also use that to just optimize our overall well-being. And one of the best things that I love that we dived into in today's conversation is how spirituality and prosperity, can they coexist? How can they coexist? And I absolutely love Jai Dev's insight on spirituality and prosperity. So I'm really excited for our conversation. We do get a little esoteric, which is what the Wellness Witch Podcast is all about. So I'm here for it and I hope you are too. So let's dive in. Enjoy. Have you downloaded my stress detox yet? It's completely free and it's a mini video course that's going to help you tune into your body, reduce stress, support your hormones, and really nourish your mind, body, and spirit. Head on over to holisticwellness.ca forward slash stress detox and receive my free mini video stress detox course right to your email. Jai Dev, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Samantha. Honored to be here with you. I'm so excited to have you here. And after polling my audience, many of them were not familiar with you. And so this interview is going to be a really great opportunity for our listeners to get to know you, myself included. So I would love it if we can start off by having you tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, gosh. (laughs) 
Uh, well, I'm I live in Northern California. Uh, I for over twenty years, twenty plus years, been uh, teaching meditation yoga practices, Kundalini yoga, and I, really though, you know, I just feel like that's a little part of it. What I'm really doing is I'm also still trying to figure out a little bit it, because life is always unfolding, isn't it? Totally. And But that has been at least my career path and it's been a joy and is a joy. And we have, over the years, we created what's called Life Force Academy and that acts as really a platform or an experience that people can access from anywhere where they can do some of this work, they can do some of these practices, but they can also, what I like to think of is like enjoy the dharma of things, enjoy enjoy the deeper purposes of our life. It's not just practices, it's self-improvement. Sure, okay, self-improvement, but it's really a lot about self-enjoyment as well because sometimes when we're a little too self-improvement orientation, at least for my, my preferences, then it gets a little rigid and it gets a little bit dry, and I find that anything that we're going to do, you know, more consistently for the long term, there has to be some, we have to like it. We have to be having some level of fun. Totally. And it has to be helping and serving our life. So that's a little bit about me, at least from that perspective. I, I teach yoga, meditation, kundalini yoga, dharma practice, and Life Force Academy is, is our organization, and we have... The, the membership platform of Life Force Academy has thousands of members in over 60 countries around the world. And it's a cool thing. Amazing. We have a, produce a lot of beautiful music as part of it. We, we really try to make the online experience of the yoga practices very inspired. Not, not something like, oh, another, another you know, Zoom room, but, which is great too. <laughs> Of course, right. you know, God bless that technology. However, to make it, you know, artistic, inspiring, sound good, look good, feel good, where you can put it on in your home and it feel, and it'll, you know, really have a transporting effect is our ideas that we work on. So that's a little bit about me. Amazing. That's beautiful. So how did you get here? How, what led you to yoga and specifically kundalini yoga and Ayurveda? Well, when I was younger, when I was young, early teen years, I became a little bit sick and had some uh, significant health challenges that I had to work through. And I was discontent with the medical community that I had access to. I was growing up in the southeastern United States. And... Of course, over the years, I've grown to really appreciate modern medicine. And it's and even then, because I was having very difficult uh, challenges and I would be able to go to the, to the doctor or the hospital when need be and get some immediate alleviation, which, thank goodness, when you're really suffering and really in pain. However, it was a short, they were, that, it was excellent for acute pain, but not, not so well, it didn't served me very well in terms of the ongoing chronic things. And so that led me to try to discover how to heal myself. And that took me on a path that's, you know, gone in many directions. But starting with, it did, it turned me on to herbal medicine. It turned me on to yoga practice. It turned me on to Ayurveda, which is the sister science of yoga, really the healing side of yoga, which I eventually went and moved to California to, to study myself because I had mm -hmm. great success with yoga and Ayurveda and actually healing my body. And so I was really inspired to learn more. And now that I realize in retrospect, that was just the tip of the iceberg, he, healing right. your digestive system that was struggling. That opened up a whole path of actually how do you become happy? Uh, which is a lifetime journey. Totally. And how do you find sustained happiness? And so on that journey, I was the first yoga class I was ever exposed to was a Kundalini yoga class. And it was in the southeastern United States at that period of time. It was no yoga really around. I didn't really know much of what yoga was at first. I knew it was spiritual somehow. I knew it had something, I knew it was something to do with stretching. But beyond that, <laughs> I didn't really know have a great sense of what it was 
And I, a friend invited me. He said, my teacher's coming. He lived like three hours away. And I, I had just turned, I think, 18 and, and gone to university in Middle Tennessee, near Na- out, just outside of Nashville. And at that time, maybe there was, a, there was a yoga studio or two in Nashville, but there definitely wasn't any kundalini yoga. Now there is. Now it's totally thriving there. Right. And, but at that point, this was in his backyard. You know, we were out on the grass and, and, it had a, and I did that class and it had a real impact on me. And within a year or so, that teacher had su- suggested, well, I should just start leading it myself because he couldn't come three hours away that often. So I just started leading classes on the campus. Just you just follow the instructions and tell people what to do, and uh, <laughs> it just worked. You know, somehow it worked, and I had a natural thing with it. And fast forward twenty something years later, and I'm still doing it. I was in school to, for production in the recording industry, which I still am very much involved in that in the music world. But it took a right. totally different path than I expected it would. Once I got once I got exposed to this yoga and meditation stuff and really Dharma practice, the practice of learning how to make the heart blossom, make the, make the mind come into happiness, he, have, have harmonious relationships with the others in our life. This is what I mean when I say Dharma practice, be living inside of your sense of purpose as much as possible. Well, that, that is what my life has been about and for myself and then a little bit I learned helped some some other folks along the way. That's amazing. I love that. So being that you are a sought after kundalini yoga teacher, tell us more about why it's so powerful and why it's so transformative. Well, it works on really all the main facets of a human being, starting with the physical body. It's not just philosophy or, or intellectual ideas. It's experience-based. So I think that's probably the first reason why it's effective and, and perhaps powerful. It is powerful. It can be, absolutely. Right. It's powerful because it's experience-based. It's not somebody else is telling me what to believe someone else is telling me how to live or anything like this, it's saying, well, try to see if you push this lever like that and push that lever like this. What if you, and, and then you inhale and then, and so forth and so on. And sometimes it's actually just, you know, a little bit of short circuits in our nervous system or, or the circuitry is not connecting quite as much as it could. And all of a sudden the wires start to fire together, so to speak. And it's like, oh, yeah, I feel like myself again. I remember, you know how that is sometimes where we lose sense of who we are and how we are because we've just been under tremendous amounts of stress. Totally. Maybe we've had a young children and we've been taking care of them for years and you lose or you've been in a long relationship and you lose your sense of individuality and identity. Well, boom, it puts you into your body gives the mind vitality. So it's working with the physical body, the nervous system, your endocrine system, but it's also working with the subtle parts of us. So starting more subtle than the body is the mind, thoughts, emotional waves, and and learning to work with these very substantive energies. Subtle doesn't mean less power. Subtle is actually more power because it's the subtle parts of us where our power lies. Subtle parts of us are, are, are what are... Is, is what is long-lasting. The physical parts of us age, and one day we'll, we'll, we'll pass on altogether, the physical side. So mm. what is the subtle experience? So kundalini yoga is working physical body, your health, your bloodstream, the immune intelligence, the musculoskeletal system, the digestive system, the endocrine system, all the systems and organs of the body, all the tissue layers, the mind, but then the prana. The prana is the life force or what we say chi in, in the Chinese system. If you go in to get acupuncture and you feel so great, if you go to a good acupuncturist afterwards, it's like, wow, you know, the, this is prana. This is chi working. So kundalini yoga is working in a certain way predominantly at that level. And by working with the life force in the body, and in the mind, you can think of the life force as really the bridge between the body and the mind. 
because if you can work with your actual energy, your energy system, the life force system, the body tends to get good vitality and the mind tends to come into good contentment. Relative right. contentment doesn't mean it solves all our problems, but what it does do is give us enough of the vitality to, to meet all of our problems where they can be met and to actually see what's happening in our life more for what it is and be able to be able to, uh, 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 I like the, I would, I tend to shy away from like the word evolve or improve or, or mm-hmm. but, but grow. Right. But I like the word blossom because that's more mm-hmm. of my experience of it because it, sound, it doesn't sound all great. Oh, be able to meet my problems where they're at. <laughs> But the result of that is you do. You learn how to be a happier person and to enjoy life and to have a little more fun. And totally. not the type of fun that's dependent on everything going great. It's the type of enjoyment, the type of, of, of love that even when things are really difficult, you're not losing your sense of your deeper sense of happiness. We might lose our more superficial sense of happiness because things are tough. Right. But what we want to develop is a deeper reservoir of 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 inner happiness, of inner contentment. And that depends on the experience of our more substantive self, the more substantive energy of life. And this is the glory of yoga, kundalini yoga practice. I love that. That's so beautiful. So I'd love to really chat about working through challenging emotions, especially okay. in the post-pandemic world since we are emerging from this pandemic and we are experiencing more anxiety, uncertainty, perhaps anger, what sort of strategies and advice can you offer to help people work through these emotions? Well, do Kundalini yoga. (laughs) (laughs) That could help. Yeah. The first thing is to feel them and to endeavor to try not to wish them away. Right. Of course, uh, that's normally our first impulse, though, is, is if we're having challenging emotions, which we all do sometimes, mm-hmm. yeah. to be able to experience them as not innately negative, right. but something that has also a positive side. It has a potentiality to have a positive side. To consider that, to consider that as a possibility at first, that doesn't mean we're going to skip the uncomfortable. That's why I say the first thing is to do: if you're feeling upset, feel upset. Allow ourselves to feel upset. To sometimes, especially for those of us involved in like self-growth work or spiritual work, this type of thing, we're not making room for us to feel. For if I feel angry, to feel angry. To right. feel sad, to feel sad, and and to leave space for the humanness of who we are and for what we are, and that's the first step of metabolization of any emotion is to actually first step is to not be in denial, <laughs> is to is to actually be in acceptance of I feel lousy. Right. Now you have access to that energy. You have access to the energy of that state of emotional energy. Now, what we don't want to do is to get stuck there. We don't want to get stuck in feeling lousy, but that can happen if we're not being accepting of it. And so then we're constantly kind of subconsciously pushing it away. It's like, no, I want my life to be good. I don't want my life to be bad. Right. This is hard work, though, and there's it's layers upon layers. This is this is one thing that meditation helps is it helps to kind of open the field of our sense of awareness so we can see more of this and feel more of this more clearly, even if just for a few minutes a day. It helps everything. So I think to recognize that there's some types of medicines in life that must be bitter. And there's certain, there's certain things that you can only get from bitter medicine. Right. And of course, there's certain things that you can only get from the sweet medicines. But these are the two polarities of each other, bitter and sweet. Sweet is the antithesis of, of bitter and vice versa. This right. is Ayurveda. And so 
And so if you give a little child uh, on your pinky sweet taste, a little baby, mm -hmm. they'll, t they'll like it. But if you put a little bitter on, on your pinky and give it to the little infant, they will not like it. <laughs> they'll push <laughs> right. it away. As we get older, though, we have to learn to take bitters. And this is both literally and metaphorically. Right. Because what it taste is to the body, emotion is to the mind. Mm -hmm. So if you have... If you have a pungent taste, it would be like a hot, spicy, fiery taste, a fiery emotion like anger. So right. anger is not bad or good in and of itself. It's the context that makes it helpful or not helpful, creative or destructive. Sometimes if you need to get out and march in the street, for instance, or you need to stand up for yourself in some way, you need that fire right. to, be able to, to be able to express yourself so you can be felt and heard. Now, if that's being done in a, in a contained way where you're using the fire as opposed to the fire is dominating you and it's creating impulsive explosiveness, well, impulsive explosiveness is going to be more destructive. But if you have the vitality to harness your fire and then to put it into the energy of your life in a more creative way, then fire can be very useful. Anger even can be very useful. We can right. use anger to purify our own uh, unhelpful habits i'm fed up with myself like that sometimes that's a form of self-love too but we shouldn't be only fed up with ourselves it should come out of love right. so this is a type of starting points perhaps i don't know if that's helpful but this is how i think about it yeah i love it so so much that's really beautifully said so let's chat a little bit about ayurveda you know moving okay. into that being that it's one of the world's oldest holistic healing systems, how can we really utilize this to optimize our well-being? Where, where does even somebody start when it comes to Ayurveda? <laughs> well, it just depends. They can start by the normal starting point, or I would say the most common starting point, I should say. My starting point, I was trying to heal myself. Right. So then you learn that one of the unique things about Ayurveda is that nothing's right for everyone, but everything's right for someone. So what's going to be healthy for me is not exactly what's going to be healthy for you necessarily in many cases. Right. So there's these this concept of three primary body slash mind types. Your body type, your Ayurvedic body type, but it really should be body mind type. This is the body and the mind are one thing. This, right. we're one human organism. The mind, the body, its energy. So we separate them f for practical purposes of understanding and talking about them. But your blood is part of your psyche. Your muscles are part of your psyche. If you have low blood sugar, and then you feel like the whole world is collapsing around you and everything is going to hell, then all of a sudden you ate lunch. And everything was better. Right. So, so this is all the body and the mind are one thing in, in, in probably the most important way. So there's three body-mind types. And they're, they're called vata, pitta, and kapha. And it's a way of really describing how each of us has a unique nature and how each of us are made up of really the five essential elements of earth, water, fire, air, and space. So if someone has more of what they call a vata body type, that person more generally will have a thinner body structure. They'll be naturally thinner. They'll have more of a like an oval, longer shaped face face structure, longer extremities, fingers, thinner nose bridge, usually thinner eyebrows, thinner hair in general, thinner skin in general. They tend to be more enthusiastic people naturally. They tend to have a more of a lightness of being naturally. Uh, they can tend towards more anxiousness and worry and anxiety, the colder emotions. This is air and ether elements. On the opposite side of that, you have earth and water, which makes what we call the kapha-type body. That's more of a stockier person. They tend to have shorter extremities, shorter fingers, wider nose bridge, thicker lips, thicker hair, thicker skin, but more stocky. They tend to be bigger bone, whereas the vata body type will more more frequently have a difficult time putting on weight, the kapha body type has a more difficult time getting uh, uh, losing weight, more right. easily gains weight. That's why he said one friend, they can't, 
they can't eat enough to put weight on. And the other person's like, Lord have mercy. How is that? Like, I'm just can't keep it off. Right. We're all different. Mm -hmm. And so that, that kapha person, they tend to have more sweeter emotions. It is sweet and devotional. They can be, be really the most steady of people actually and consistent of people but sometimes they're hard to get going they also can tend towards complacency or more the heavy emotions or lethargic this type of thing once you get them going they're going to be real consistent for you and then in the middle you have the fiery ones the pitta type body mind and this is more moderate uh, body structure in moderate size the uh, extremities, bone structure, muscle tissue, fat tissue, but they tend to have more of an intensity to them, deeper set right. eyes, kind of like I have, and and tend to be highly intelligent people, really good leadership qualities, this type of thing, but can tend towards anger, can tend towards the hotter emotions, irritability, frustration. So those are the three main body types, vata, pitta, and kapha. And not all of us are just each one. Usually it's somebody's predominantly pitta with secondary kapha, like right. me, or predominantly vata with secondarily pitta, like that. So the first thing in Ayurveda is to learn that. Like on our website, we have a quiz people can take, and it'll give you a pretty good idea of what is what is your body type. And then there a video comes on where I tell you kind of what it means and how it might be useful. And then we have all sorts of stuff that people can do if they want to learn more. Very cool. Yeah. So would you say that somebody's primary type might change over the years mm. as as they are blossoming? Mm-hmm. Great question. <laughs> um, the answer is both yes and no. <laughs> so there's, <Okay. laughs> there's two things. There's your innate constitution. It's called prakirti in Sanskrit. But your innate constitution never changes. That's determined at the time of conception. But what but then there is an aspect of your of your body type that does change. The traditional word is vikirti. And that means kind of what's happening now. So what does change is the fluctuation of the elements. So I might be in a time of my life where the fire is more excess or provoked. Or I might be in a time in my life where I'm more heavy and sluggish. I might be in a time of my life where um, I'm more anxious and worried. And and so that absolutely does change. But you always have your innate constitution that's underneath that. And the more you can kind of be towards that innate vitality of yourself, the more happy and healthy you're going to be. And so the seasons influence it. The, The where you live influences it. The time of life you're in influences. It might seem real complicated, but it's actually quite simple once you get to know the principles and hang out with them a little bit. It really, it's it's common sense in a lot of ways. Once you learn it, it feels like common sense. At first, it can feel very foreign. But then once you learn it, you're like, you can't not learn it. You can't can't unknow it because it's the principles of nature is what it is. Very, very cool. I love that. Okay, ladies, I quickly want to take a moment and talk about the Organifi Green Juice. I don't know if you have ever tried this product before, but it is hands down the best tasting greens powder on the market. In fact, they have over 2,500 five-star reviews, and it is a perfect blend of greens and adaptogens to really provide your body with essential micronutrients to balance stress, support food cravings, and morning hydration. It's a great reset for the body and offers that really great stress support because it has ashwagandha, which is one of my favorite herbs. It's an Ayurvedic adaptogenic herb that helps to lower stress by balancing out cortisol. You'll also find moringa, which is really known as nature's perfect multivitamin, spirulina and chlorella, which are both very antioxidant rich and great for detoxification. Plus there's some amazing coconut water in here, which will hydrate your body upon waking and it's loaded with electrolytes, which is really fantastic. So I love to use this product, especially this time of year as the temperature is getting warmer and the sun is shining. 
Typically during the winter months, I have a harder time having cold drinks and the green juice is definitely something you want to enjoy cold. And so now again, that the weather is getting warmer outside, that sun is shining, it's a really great way to reset your body and support stress first thing in the morning. So head on over to OrganifiShop.com, use the coupon code HEALTHYHORMONES to save 15% off and get yourself some green juice. Simply add one scoop into some water, shake it up, and drink it first thing in the morning to support your body and offer your body some amazing stress support. That's exactly what lion's mane can do for you. It's going to support mental agility and prevent cognitive dysfunction. Aversio Wellness has this great product called Focus Now, and it's organic lion's mane eight to one dual extract. What that means is it's highly therapeutic. Lion's mane benefits the brain in many ways and supports improved concentration, memory, productivity, and mental clarity. So goodbye brain fog. So if you are looking to get a therapeutic dose of lion's mane, that's going to help you focus and get lots of work done for the day while supporting whole body health, head on over to aversiowellness.com. Use the coupon code wellnesswitch and you can save 15% off site wide. If brain fog and mental stress have you feeling frazzled and you're feeling a bit disconnected and unproductive these days, that's where Lion's Mane is going to come in to the rescue. Again, head on over to aversiowellness.com, use the coupon code wellnesswitch and save 15% off. So I'd love to chat a little bit about spirituality and prosperity and how they can coexist. Mm. You know, as somebody that you, you, you're very spiritual yourself, you've built this great business and brand. And I know that there are a lot of spiritual teachers that are very torn with this. Uh So I would love your insights on, yeah, on this. Yeah. Well, I think it's like anything else in money is, is, a neutral in and of itself. It's not negative. It's not positive. It's a flow of energy. And some people, they'll have a path where not a lot of money is necessary or required resources. I think of it in terms of there's four main in from the traditional yoga system of India. There's four main pursuits of life. The first one is Dharma sense of purpose. The second is Artha is prosperity. There's a certain amount of resources and energy that you need in order for your dharma, your sense of purpose, to be able to come alive and to thrive. But right. also, in just it doesn't need to be... Often in the West, we talk about dharma in the context of career, and I'm not talking about it in that context. Dharma is to live, to be able to live and to be able to do what you want to do in order to be ha- happy. What you need to do and what you want to do are often two different things <laughs> in order to be happy. And right. I remember this. There's this film that I saw with Denzel Washington. It was produced by Oprah Winfrey, I think. It had Denzel Washington and Forrest Whitaker, the great debaters. And Forrest Whitaker was the father of this young, his son growing up in, in Jim Crow South. And he was a minister. Forrest Whitaker, I believe, was a minister. And he was one thing he kept telling his son that always stuck with me. I think I used this with my son. Different context, but same, same quote is, do what you need to do so that you can do what you want to do. What I want to do is I want to be happy. I want to have fun. I want to enjoy my life. What I need to do is create the conditions inside of myself to where that's possible. So anyhow... Dharma can be, be anything that your life is about. We all have an innate sense where we can feel in our center. And when we feel, feel like our life is in moving in the direction it should be, regardless of ideas of what we think it should be or what society tells us it should be. So there's no one way that it's going to express itself. And in fact, it has inf- infinite potentiality. But whatever life is, if you need to have enough food to eat, you need resources. You need, you need some money if you live in the modern world. If you have children, right. you need some money. If you have, mm-hmm. a, need, have a home, you need some money. If you're going to be comfortable enough to do the service of your life, because all of our lives are connected into the well-being of not only our own life, but to the 
others in our life. And all of I, I don't know what anyone else's dharma is necessarily, but I know it has to do with serving and serving life, being creative, adding to life, not just taking from life. So prosperity is not taking. Prosperity is a circulation of energy where you're giving to life and life is giving back to you. There's nothing spiritual or not spiritual about it. This is, this is the physics of things. And so some... And if you look, I really love astrology and just as mm-hmm. much connected to yoga as Ayurveda is, so is the Jyotish, the Vedic astrology. And so you see this you, first house is the house of self, second house, the house of money, resources, family. And then you keep going around and you get to the, to, to the fifth house, which has to do with prosperity. The ninth house of Dharma is also a house of wealth and prosperity the 10th house of career, the 11th house of gains. So there is a definite physics to thing. And this idea that there's something unspiritual about money is, I don't, I don't see why that would, would be. But I understand that we do get indoctr- indoctrinated into that. And there are some people's paths that are more renunciate paths where they're renunciating the world. That is not my path. I'm a householder. I have a son. I have a family. I have a business. Right. So people that have businesses and families shouldn't shouldn't be Dharma practitioners. I think it's quite the opposite. So this is I, this I is my it. sense of prosperity. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's really mm-hmm. well said. And I also love how you how you mentioned astrology there. You know, like it's very clear that like universal universally or in the ethers, this is what is part of the path for. For us, it's in, like you said, in order for us to to reach that dharma or to experience that joy and that happiness and to be of service, that prosperity is needed. But it's it's and it's always there and it has already has already been there. It's just for us to access that. Absolutely, and I think that one of the real secrets of it is to wreck it. Like just as you were saying, it's our you already are prosperous like the whole thing is prosperous this like life is continually giving nature is bountiful but it's putting ourselves in alignment with that and so much of that has to do with kind of undoing a lot of our subconscious conditions and things that we've been essentially indoctrinated into either by society others or even just our own self and the way we've been thinking about things and and recognizing or at least considering the possibility that we're already being taken care of there's already prosperity and you can start by just simply counting your blessings no matter how minute they may seem it's bringing up the feeling of gratitude by reflecting on the things that you're you're grateful for starting with it could be as small as a bite of food the ability to you know, right now is where I am in Northern California today. It's about a hundred degrees outside. I'm so grateful to be inside where the air conditioning is blowing. This <laughs> right. is prosperity. What are you talking about? And yep. so it's just starting wherever you're at, putting some attention on that, trying to bring yourself to feel genuinely grateful, and then keep going with your day, and watch the watch that start to gain momentum, and start to grow. And so this is. You know, these are practical things. Yes, practical, but I'm certain for many, just such a challenge. Yes. Right? To get out of their rut or that negative self-talk. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah. that, that brings me back to Kundalini Yoga. That's where the practices become so helpful to dis, to create a pattern disruption in that negative self-talk by giving by first using these exercises or these meditation practices and and really cultivating an inner condition that gives one an experience of their sense of of prosperity really their sense of inner vitality to where you feel amazing in your body you start to even feel even if like maybe you've had a have currently a little bit of a lousy sense of self image that can totally change by by actually giving yourself an inner experience of your goodness and 
And there's not a lot you can say about it other than that because it's something you have to try and you have to. Right. And, and so then all these ideas of being great, grateful for something and and not having the negative self-talk just be totally overpowering it, which it does for for a lot of us all the time, is to create some sort of inner shift, even right. just even just a little bit every once in a while, but with some consistency has has profound practical impact on our life. For sure. This is one of the reasons why I love yoga is, and especially kundalini. Have you done is, some kundalini yoga? I have, yes. Well, I used to be, I used to practice, I'd be a yoga instructor many, many years ago. I used to uh, teach. Yeah. Cool. Yes. And, um, and that feels kind of like eons ago. Um, and then I did some private in-home training for spe- specifically fertility and pregnancy. And then my path led me more on to the nutrition and hormone women's health journey. Um, and is but, that where the wellness witch was born from? That? Wellness witch. Yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> I, I love that. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so when I think about Kundalini yoga, I think about you're leading with the body, but then the mind follows. Mm, definitely. Right. And Absolutely. so that's, and that's where that shift really starts to happen. And I know at least for myself and in my own life, whenever I'm feeling stagnant and just this like stuck energy, I need to move. And it's through that moving and it's through that breathing mm-hmm. that everything that's in the mind that's clouding my thoughts starts to, I really start to work through it. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. Physical. Sometimes I'll call it intellectual bypass or mental emotional bypass. It's not right. that you're bypassing it in a negative way because now that that term I was thinking when I used to use that it was more before the phrasing of like spiritual bypassing started. I would think right. thought about it like bypass surgery. You know, you would right. get like a, <laughs> and and what I mean by that is is it's like the enough with the mind. And just get into the body and move. And like you said, the mind will follow suit. And that's because we're working really at the level of the, you're using the body to start to affect the life force, the prana, the chi. And not only are you using the body in a way that's, you know, physical, you know, not too differently than people who like to get out and run. Like yesterday I was having, it was more of a challenging day in the business and da, 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 da. And but thankfully, I had I play in a lo- local adult basketball league, and I had a basketball game last night. It was a perfect way to move my energy. It's physical, and like by the time it was over, right. the stress of my day had dissipated. Mm-hmm. Now, Kundalini Yoga does very similar, has a very similar effect as that, or for people who go out and they run or go to the gym and you exercise, all that you know shares that same beneficial quality. Right. But when you get in these ancient yoga practices that also have the intelligence and the wisdom of how the subtle bodies operate, now, now you're also moving the life force prana through the different chakras. You're helping to center the life force energy in the in the nervous system to where it's also bringing the mind into its more meditative, intuitive, dare I say, blissful space blissful is not this oh my god so ecstatic sensationalized energy bliss in the way that the yogis talk about it ananda is a subtle space of deep inner contentment that is non-affected by the polarities the ups and downs of life so that's what we're actually cultivating something more simple excuse me not more simple but more subtle than 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 ordinary pleasures I love it. It's like it's building your emotional resiliency. Mm, totally. Your mm-hmm. emotional resilience. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Emotional resiliency. Emotional maturity, which yeah. is emotional resiliency, isn't it? But For we sure. I usually don't talk about it like that in marketing language because people don't want to come to the emotional maturation course. Right. They want to come to the bliss course. But bliss requires <laughs> emotional maturation, unfortunately. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it's so true. You have to lead with what people want. And then once they're through the door, you can give them what they need. There you go. Yeah. And that's also, though, by the way, I think 
women leading are leading this movement in the current day because women naturally have more emotional maturation and generally speaking this of course right. is a general statement but the fe- we could say the feminine energy and women tend to have more of the feminine energy has more of that sensitivity women are have the physiology the mind and the body are intertwined and so the feminine psyche is very different than the masculine psyche the For the, sure. the woman can have a a new a, a new human in her womb for nine months and then raise that and then that type of sensitivity requires that deeper type of emotional resilience emotional right. maturity her very blood gets turned into milk to nurture this little child and so so like the wellness witch podcast and like so much of the of the work of really emotional maturity i think is is of course there's great men who are involved too but there's being led more and more by by women who are who are really able to share and able to tell to to teach us and learn in all sorts of ways not just teach us through teaching like a teacher does but teach us through our relationships teach us through how to live as a strong embodied human being and so I think that's important to also be aware of and to find within ourselves. When I, when that my, in my life at least, the little bit of emotional maturation I've been able to, to, uh, I don't know the word, but experience, has largely be, come from my relationships with the women in my life, mm-hmm. and and learning how to be inside of that and. And to not get polarized and to be able right. to be inside of difficult, powerful energy, be able to be inside of sweet, beautiful energy, all of it without getting pulled one way or another too mm-hmm. dramatically. And, and this is a inner process that we all have. We all have, of course, a masculine energy. We all have the feminine energy. But we've had a, a, a you know an excess of masculine energy for some hundreds of years now. And right. I think very much that is that is in process of shifting. It's and will continue. But I don't think it's coming. I think it's been happening already. Right. And um, I'm excited to see you know what the next 20, 30, 40, 50. Hopefully, how I want to I want to stick around as long as possible. But you never <laughs> yep. know. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm. And so, the term Kundalini isn't it feminine in nature? Uh, doesn't it mean mm. latent? feminine energy that we're like really trying to uncoil it's contextualized feminine absolutely right it's shakti it's the feminine power and the real power that shakti is feminine force it's the force of mother nature herself really but within the human body within the human organism and so kundalini is always there's kind of two things that that I think are helpful to understand when understanding Kundalini or trying to understand what is Kundalini because it's described as all sorts of things and there's all sorts of stigmas about it and and it's a serpent and there's a these are mythologies right. around it because yep. the language of mythology is how the wisdom of the world has been passed on from generations to generations all across the world. And so this is the mythology that comes from India, but the mythology is not false. Mythology is very real. It's a, but it's a more of an artistic, poetic language to describe things and to understand things. So the mythology of it is that, that you have uh, this natural energy, life energy, kundalini energy, always flowing through you, always flowing up and down the spine. But there's a reservoir of that energy. And the mythologically speaking, it's like a coiled snake at the bottom of the spine. And she, it gets aroused by the the in in the context of say a yoga practice through through different meditation practices mantra practices and starts to to unwind and starts to slowly rise up through the spinal system until she meets her mate at the crown of the head which is the masculine polarity mm-hmm. so in mm-hmm. the language of tantra this became uh, like shakti the feminine force 
and Shiva, yeah. the masculine force. This is the two main polarities of life, the feminine and the masculine. Now in practical, practical times in modern, well, at least including some modern language, what we have is, is our sense of who we are, our sense of what we are. Like I, I am functionally, we call that our ego. We have our sense of like, right. this is me, this is not me. I'm not using ego in a negative sense. I'm using it in a psycholo psych psychological sense. Everybody has it. It's the f I former. It gives you a sense of, of I-ness, of me. This is right. mine. This is not mine. This is my life. This is your life. There's a sense of separateness there. The reason why they always say, well, Kundalini should be awakened slowly and gently, which is definitely true, is because you don't want to change your sense of I-ness, your sense of me too dramatically. That's why I say just baby steps, baby steps, baby steps right. are plenty. Because in fact, you can't do anything other than baby steps. And in the big picture, you can try to rush this thing. You can try to get enlightened as fast as possible. But this is, this is non-realistic. Everything has its own time. Every flower blossoms on its own accord. You speed up a flower blossoming. And so, so what kundalini energy is, is, is your sense of, let me say it a little bit differently. When, when my sense of, of self-awareness is more predominantly identifying with my impermanent nature, say like the things that are always changing, say like my body, my body's always changing. Yep. And it's getting older, I notice. And, and, and even my mind is always changing, you know, the fluctuations of the mind, what I like, what I don't like. So my relationships, they come together, then sometimes they fall apart. All of this is when, when my sense of identifying, have you ever been in a relationship where you totally identify with it and then it comes apart? It mm -hmm. totally shakes your sense of identity, but hopefully totally. in a positive way, eventually. Right, right. So this is the sense of what they call in Sanskrit ahankara, the ego, the I-former. So when my sense of awareness is more predominantly operating in that field of, of the temporary things of life, this is more of a sense of ego, sense of ahankara. I, the, when that same sense of awareness starts to identify with the very subtle nature of that which never changes... What is the consciousness that never changes? My experience is real love never changes. Romantic mm. love changes. Right. Real love never changes. So this is the subtle. So now when the sense of awareness starts to be more, uh, is, is dwelling a little bit more and more also in that, that's called kundalini. That's the mm. kundalini experience. And, but what we need is both. You're not trying to get, we're human beings. We're here to be in relationships. We're here to do work. Right. We're here to be dancing in the realm of, of ups and downs and polarities, male, female, et cetera. This is what life is about. But well, how we say is you need the proper amount of the sunshine of the soul, of the non-dying, of the everlasting, and the cloud cover and the rain of the, of the ahankara, of the, of, the, of the individuated self. We have to take care of ourselves. We have to have boundaries. And yet we the bigger process is about blossoming through this. This is the in astrology, it's represented by the sun, is the soul, the non-dying. Mm. So I don't know if this is a little too esoteric and stuff, but I think it's really, it. really beautiful. Yeah. It is really beautiful. No, yeah. I love it. And I could definitely go down the rabbit hole with you here. <laughs> cool. Yeah, but it's um it may be too esoteric for some of our listeners, for sure, but I'm all for yeah. it. I absolutely love it. And um, what I'd love to ask you before I let you go is I'd love if you can take us through a day in the life of Jai Dev. What does that actually look like? Well, it depends if I'm traveling or not, which I do a, I do a lot of that. But when I'm at home, it looks like I love to get up early. I don't always get up super duper early because I also love to stay up late. <laughs> <laughs> so 
But typically, well, I love the honesty around that. Oh yeah, I mean, I get creative when the sun goes down, you know, and then when everybody, and also I have a business, which means I have a team of a bunch of people, and then they all go to bed or go, you know, are off to their own lives. Finally, I have psychological space, and I like to get creative at nighttime and play music or sure. whatever. Yeah. However, I love being up early, and so the first thing I do every day, well, I do my little practices. I get up, and what I feel is lately been the most important practice, not any one specific meditation or exercise, but I do what I call arousing the heart and and the what the Buddhists call the bodhicitta, the heart of compassion. And so I just think I have my little rituals that I do. And while I'm doing that, I, you know, reflect on how much I'm trying I wish to be happy. And how much I am suffering, and and I don't even know how much I'm suffering because it takes more and more awareness to see where our suffering is that's obstructing our true happiness. So, but I feel right. into that, feel into my desire to be happy. I feel into the reality of my suffering, and I feel compassion towards my own predicament and body and mind. And then I feel how I actually also am happy. These are called the four measurables. So, first is the wish to be happy. Second, the wish to not suffer. Third is called immeasurable joy or boundless joy. And that's the fact that I do have some happiness and the wish for that happiness to expand, for that cup to overflow. And then I ha- the fourth one is called boundless equanimity and that I, in- that I include everything in that, that I include both, both my, my positive self-image, my negative self-image, everything is being held in a, a, a kind of a... Uh, um, basket of compassion, so to speak, of love towards myself. Then I, then that starts to go to the others in my life. I go through it again, and and I'll think of you know my loved ones, my beloveds, whoever they may be, friends, family, etc., and go through those the uh, how much they wish to be happy and how much I wish that for them, how much I wish they're not suffering and how much they don't want to suffer, and that whatever happiness they do have have that expands then the hard one is boundless equanimity and that's actually for everyone those wishes uh, don't have a discernment they're not just for my friends not just for people i like but people who also are triggering me or polarizing me and so you can keep going with that and go to even then you can you know go to your adversaries and do that whole thing because if they were truly happy and they were truly have real bliss they'll cease to be your adversary and so you can gen- genuinely wish that. And that is, is very harmonizing, not only for my own body and mind, but for my relationships. Right. And then I go into my yoga practices and do, my, do a good practice, my exercises, I work out. And then if it's, you know, day, I'm going into Life Force Academy headquarters. We're doing our thing. We're building. We're creating. We're managing all the stuff. And, and, but hopefully on a good day, I'm out in nature part of the day. Like this morning, we live near the South Fork of the Yuba River, one of the most beautiful rivers in the country for sure, and even the whole world. And I dive in and and go swimming and refresh myself. Anytime you can get into nature, so important. And uh, this is, you know, and so it's just like anyone else's day, I think. Other than that, I come home, hopefully I'm, playing some music or listening to some music. I'm hanging out with my son. And today I have martial arts with him. We do that together. So this type of thing, you know, go to bed, hopefully at a reasonable time, maybe watch a good show (laughs) if I'm lucky. I love it. That sounds really beautiful. I love the water and it is my mission to live by the water one day soon. So yeah, it's so cleansing. I love it. Amazing. That was really beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing all those amazing insights. I really appreciate it. Where can our audience find you and connect with you? If they they can go to our website, lifeforce.yoga is the URL is a URL. You can just type in that'll take you to Lifeforce Academy website, lifeforce.yoga. Just spelled out like that. You can type that into your browser or on Instagram. Uh, Jai Dave one zero eight J A I D E V one zero eight. I'm on the other social platforms as well. We're all over the place. 
Amazing. Yeah. Great. Well, we'll be sure to link that all up in the show notes. And sweet. I thank you for being here with us and sharing all the esotericness <laughs> that you can because <laughs> I love it. And that's Me what too. the wellness switch is here for. So yeah, thank well, you kindly. You're so welcome. It's such a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Samantha. My pleasure. I really hope you enjoyed my interview with Jai Dev. And if you would like to connect with him, you can head on over to Instagram and search up Life Force Academy. You can also follow him on Instagram at jaidev108. We will also have all of this in our show notes. So head on over to the website, holisticwellness.ca, click on podcast, and all of our podcast show notes are there and past episodes and anything that you'd like to grab links for or dive into, it is all there for you. And while you're there on the website, do check out all the freebies that we have to offer. We have our free stress detox mini course. We have a free sugar detox program, and we have lots of ways that you can work with us and get supported when it comes to your health and your nutrition. And if you're looking for things on the business side, I would love to have a conversation with you as we are currently enrolling into our business mentorship program. If you feel called to work with myself and my team and take your business to the next level and truly step into your power as a confident and well-paid coach, we'd love to support you. Head on over to samanthagladish.com forward slash mentorship. Thanks again for being here with us. Have an amazing day.